I found this wonderful picture. Have you seen this picture? Here I have a picture of two men looking at a number on the ground. One of the men looks at the number and says six. The other man looks at the number and says nine. What happens next? Louder, right? Six! Nine! Can't you see? What's wrong with you? You idiot! That's next, right? And I've been thinking about this. Each one of these men in this picture did exactly what was required and did, took the exact approach to this number on the ground to come to the conclusion they both reached. Which one is more sincere in their belief? Well, I don't know. They both look at the ground and see something. There's the facts. There's the evidence. It's obviously a six. I mean nine. Right? Whatever that is, they both come and see it. Can you imagine if you ask, what do you see? Well, it's a six. How do you know? Because that's what a six looks like. And the other man would say, well, that's what a nine looks like. Of course it's a nine. Of course it's a six. Why can't you see what I see? Because each one of us has our own perspective. Right? Each one of us has our own view of the world. Now... That's where things kind of start running amok for most of us, isn't it? And especially in our society these days. If you disagree with someone, what our world believes right now is that you hate the other person. And they're an idiot for believing what they believe. That's the world we live in. So I was thinking about, you know, the me generation. And, and I went and looked up and I'm glad I did because I was wrong. You know, I thought the millennials were the me generation. And if surely not the millennials, then the generation Y, they're the me generation. No, the first one called the me generation was the baby boomers. And I don't know what they called the generation before that, but I know what you could call them as well. The me generation. Because we live in a world full of people in the me generation. My view and my experience is more valid, more right, more true, more important than yours. So, we get into a screaming match about a six or a nine. Now, as you know, as you look at this picture, you can see, when I stand over here, I agree with nine. It's clearly a nine. But if I move over here and look at it with this guy, well, it's obviously a six. And, and how do we reconcile that in our head when we talk about, well, there's truth. But before we get there, back to the me generation, the self-absorbed, narcissistic group of people that we are, right? My stuff is more important to me than your stuff. And I was thinking about babies, cute little innocent babies who are definitely in the me generation right babies 
I need my diaper changed and I need it changed right now. Weren't you listening to me? I need my diaper changed right now. Hello world, change my diaper. That's what babies are saying as they lay there and scream. Me, me, me. As they get a little older and as they can talk and as they walk and as they toddle around carrying a toy, as soon as someone tries to take that toy, then it becomes mine. Then we grow up to be teenagers and we learn to mask it better because we know crying and yelling mine doesn't get what we want, so we start to say it with a smile. But the motives don't change all that much, do they? It's still mine, it's still me. Next thing you know, you look in the mirror and you're a 60-year-old and it's still all about me. Why? Where is that? I don't know why. But I know it happens. What's the old man's version of crying? Get off my lawn! That's what the old man says when he needs his diaper changed. But for us, for the followers of Jesus, we don't get a pass on this and it's not okay to just be that way. As followers of Jesus, we can no longer live that way. In fact, as you all know, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. So, we need some humility. And if we could only look across the number nine to the idiot who thinks it's a six and love them. You think things would be different? I would encourage you that while you disagree with the person on the other side of this number, and you don't understand why they come to that conclusion, and obviously they're wrong. Maybe just a little bit of humility. Maybe just a little bit of understanding and patience with somebody else who has a different perspective on something that is so obvious as a nine is from a six. Is it possible that you could be wrong and they could be right? See, I know this is where, back to that me thing, right? Because I know that's a nine. I can clearly see it's a nine. And, and maybe they're just as adamant about it being a six. Now, here's where I take a hard right turn from this discussion. The world would tell you that it is either a six or a nine based on your perspective. Right? And there are two forms of truth up here. One man sees a six, so it's a six. Another man sees a nine, so it's a nine. So just be well with that and be happy with the fact that some people have the truth of a six and some people have the truth of a nine. My friends, that's just not the way the world works. You don't get to look at a number on the ground and choose what it is. Although we do that every day. Who knows what number was written on the ground? Does the man over here looking at it calling it a six know what it was? Or does the man over here calling it a nine know what it was? The only one that knows for sure what number that is is the author who wrote that number down. 
The author was not confused about whether it was a six or a nine. The person that put that number on the ground knew what number they were writing. And the truth of that number is what the author intended it to be. Does it matter if it's a six or a nine? Well, yes, it matters. There's a great difference between a six and a nine, right? Would you rather have six brownies or nine brownies? Well, nine, of course. How many miles would you rather walk? Six miles or nine miles? Six, of course. So this number, in context, has great significance, and it matters because one of these versions of this number is the truth, and the other one is not. Now see, that's where we start getting into this battle again, right? I know the author, and I know he meant to put a six there, so it's a six. And so we continue our fussing and fighting. The only way we can know for sure what that number is is to know the author or creator that wrote it. So, now we're going to go into a path where humility is going to be very important. Because it is the exact opposite of humility that get the six and nine guy to get into a big fight, right? One of them is going to get lucky and be right. But they don't have any idea which one it is. So they will fuss and scream and shout and prove that they're right. Now I want to switch the topic from a six or a nine on the ground that we're not sure which one it is to something that's very important to all of us, and that's theology. Now most of us don't ever say that theology matters to us. We don't think in those terms, but what is theology? Theology is the study of the nature of God and religious belief. And we all care about God. And what we're trying to understand about God. So I want to ask you a question about your theology. Is your theology right? That's a trick question, I know. Because if you answer, yes, my theology is right, what you're saying is, is that you know everything about God. And you have no mistakes in your understanding of God. None of us, I hope, are arrogant enough to sit here this morning and claim that we know everything about God. So, I have theology, and I'm pretty settled in my theology. And is there something wrong with my theology? Absolutely. Do I know what it is? No. If I did, I would change it, right? I don't know what's wrong with my theology, and you're in the same boat. So we come to this point on the ground where we want to argue with somebody about a six or nine. I just want you to start by taking the position that you could be wrong about what you know. Now, I'm not saying that you're wrong about what you know. I'm saying you could be wrong. You see, somehow today the world has come to believe some kind of words, and it's just words, I guess, but they would look at the six or the nine and say, there are two truths. One truth is it's a six, one truth is it's a nine. No, the truth is one man looks at the number on the ground and thinks it's a six, 
The other man looks at the number on the ground and thinks it's a nine. That's what's true. There are not two truths. There is a number on the ground, and the author either made a six or he made a nine. And we're looking at that number trying to interpret what it is. And we're not very well equipped to do that. So, I have a question for you. How do we find truth? Now, I'll let you in on a little spoiler before we get into this. I used to think and used to say that I learned such and such about God. I hope by the end of this you'll realize that's not true. We've all pretty much come to grips with the fact that all the wealth that we have from, is a gift from God, that God has blessed us with material things and with wealth, with the ability to work, a place to have a job, we all look at that and say that's a gift from God. However, most of us don't do the same thing with knowledge. I learned that. I discovered. I figured it out. I'm smart. See what I did? And I just want to point out this morning several verses that show the fallacy of that. Here's one. How do we find truth? Well, the Holy Spirit teaches us. John 14, 26 and 27. Jesus is speaking, he said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I tacked that last verse on because we often quote that last verse without the context of knowing that the reason that we cannot be troubled, the way we can have peace, is that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who has now come for us, teaches us all things and reminds us of what Jesus said. So, I figured it out, I discovered, I learned, maybe, but the teacher of it is the Holy Spirit. When you open the book, it is the Holy Spirit that is teaching you what's in the book. When you're sitting around pondering the things of God, it is the Holy Spirit that is teaching you. The Holy Spirit teaches us truth. How else do we find truth? Well, the Holy Spirit guides us. This is in John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, this is Jesus still speaking, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So how do you get truth? The Holy Spirit guides us into that truth in many ways. Right? Like this whole 6 and 9 thing. I saw that 6 and 9 picture on Facebook and thought, well, looky there, there's two different versions of the truth. But a friend of mine says, you know who really knows what that number is, is the one who put it on the ground. Ah, Holy Spirit guiding into truth. So how do we get truth? Holy Spirit teaches truth to us. The Holy Spirit guides us to truth. And the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things, 
God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The Spirit is searching everywhere to the depths of God. Who can even find the boundaries of what that means? The Holy Spirit is active in that. And then the Holy Spirit, through God, God has revealed these things through the Spirit. So, did you figure it out? Or did the Holy Spirit reveal it to you? According to me, and what I'm reading here in these verses, the Holy Spirit teaches you the truth. The Holy Spirit guides you into the truth. And the Holy Spirit reveals the truth. And the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the truth. 1 Corinthians 2.12 Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. There are several things in this world that I know about, but I don't understand. I know about electricity. I don't understand electricity. I know that if you touch the two ends of the wire, it will make your hair stand up. I know that. I don't understand that. See, the Holy Spirit comes and reveals truth to us, but He doesn't stop there. He continues to work till we understand. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. Now, my friends, that is an amazing thing to me to think that a man like me could understand things about God. I don't claim to understand everything about God. No way. But because of the work of the Holy Spirit who's been teaching me and guiding me and reminding me and searching all those things and revealing them and then enabling me to understand... So the Holy Spirit enables us to discern truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 13 and 14. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Many of you have a pretty good grasp on algebra. If you sit down and try to explain algebra to the preschool kid, the preschool kid, it will be folly to them. And you will be an idiot. Because the preschool is not mentally equipped to understand algebra. Maybe you're not either. But the preschool kid, for sure. Now we come to the things of the kingdom of heaven. Is the natural man equipped to understand the things of the spiritual kingdom and the kingdom of God? No. They're folly to them. You, followers of Jesus Christ, spiritually alive, are now spiritually enabled and equipped to be able to discern truth and to interpret spiritual truths for others. So... If you have been gifted with something that enables you to do something that other people do not have, do you mock them?
taunt them, argue with them because you're smarter than they are? Not smarter. Spiritually equipped to understand something that they cannot. If your goal was to communicate that truth to them, I can tell you all the ways that don't work. Screaming, shouting, Facebook memes, bumper stickers. Those things are not very effective tools. But they're also unable to understand without Jesus. So here we have this wisdom that's been imparted to us by the Holy Spirit. And I'd ask the question again, how do we find truth? And the short answer is, God gives it to us. Our Father God, we are his people. And he reveals the truth to us. Now, if the wisdom and revelation of the kingdom of heaven is a gift from God. How does he reveal it to us? Well, he reveals general truth through the revelation of creation. In, in Romans chapter 1, it says there's enough evidence in creation. So we see um, general truth about God just from his creation. We can know the author. But he also gives us specific truth through the revelation of the Bible. There's specific truths we find there. And he imparts that wisdom, knowledge, revelation to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So every time you figure something out about the kingdom, the Holy Spirit was at work, revealed truth to you. He taught you truth, helped you discern truth. Always knowledge of God is a gift from God. So how in the world can we boast in what we know? If it's from God, and it is, how can I say, look at me and how smart I am, and lord it over people who don't know what I know, who don't know what you know, who look at a number on the ground and know the author who created it and said, that's a six. Because the author who created it revealed to us that it's a six. But to the rest of the world looking at it, it looks like a nine. So let's stomp our feet and be more adamant that it's a six. Because that will change things. How did you learn it? The Holy Spirit of God revealed it to you. The Holy Spirit uses creation. He uses the Bible. He uses people. Everything is at the disposal of the Holy Spirit to teach you the truth of the kingdom of God. So God has revealed things to you for his glory, for you to know and for you to use for his glory. Not for us to beat somebody over the head with the truth that we know. Romans chapter 12. We'll finish the rest of this out in Romans 12 if you want to turn there. Romans 12, 14. How should we treat those around us based on this knowledge that God has given us that they don't have? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. So the other person, the moron, sees it as a nine. And you see it as a six. And as a result of this conflict between the two of you, the adversary 
may curse you. And what's your response? Bless them. Don't curse them back. Bless them. Bless them. Verses 15 and 16 in Romans 12. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So God has revealed things to you about the kingdom of heaven. You know things that maybe other people don't know. Never be wise in your own sight. If you do know something, it's because it was a gift from God. He taught you something of his kingdom. That kind of humility bears out in not being haughty, right? I'm better than everyone else. In Christ, you're the chosen ones of God. In Christ. If there's any boasting at all that we can do, our boast is in Christ. What did Paul say about himself? I'm the chief of sinners. There's also the apostle that wrote all the, most of the epistles. He's a great man. The chief of sinners, he said. Do not be haughty. Associate with the lowly. So someone looks at the number on the ground and they rejoice because it's a six or a nine. Rejoice with them. They weep because of it. Weep with them. Be with them. Live in harmony with one another. Just because I live in harmony with someone does not mean the truth is that's a six. Can I live in harmony with somebody who thinks it's a nine? Make every effort. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If someone is bent on attacking you, they will attack you. Other than that, but all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. Brother, I hope you find peace with that, that nine. Sincerely, not sarcastically, right? Don't repay evil for evil. So they cursed you. And they attacked you. I'll get them back. No? Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. How can you treat someone honorably who disagrees with you? You can love them. They're not God. You don't serve them. You don't have to change them to make them right. God changes. What's your job? Love them. Verses 19 through 21. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by, do, by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So a fight breaks out because of a six and a nine. And you're wronged. I'll get you back. No. Don't avenge yourself. Vengeance is mine. God, God, your heavenly Father, who is better able to protect you and get revenge on your behalf than you are, says, I got it. So trust him. He has it. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. What should you do? If, you're hung, if your enemy is hungry, make him some brownies or pancakes or whatever or a steak. Feed him, her, right? What if they're thirsty? Give them something to drink. You want to change somebody's mind about what they believe? Take the sting out of the argument by meeting their needs and being kind to them. Not to beat them over the head with it. But they will listen more to your view about the six or nine because you were kind to them and met their needs than they ever will be because you won the argument. And you outfoxed them and outsmarted them mentally, logically, through an argument. You want to change somebody's mind? Love them. Care for them. How do we overcome evil? By being meaner. No. We overcome evil by good. Now, this is so easy to sit and do these things, to listen to these things. It's such another thing to put it into practice, isn't it? Emotions always get involved and need to defend ourselves, to defend God and to declare the truth. And we're right and the truth sets people free, so here comes the truth. Truth does set people free, but not because we beat somebody over the head with the truth. You want to have impact in people's lives? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil. Do not be overcome by evil. What happens when you're overcome by evil? You respond with evil. When you do not become overcome by evil instead you can overcome evil with good now I know there's a and again it's got to be true because it was on Facebook there was a man and a woman who were riding bikes across Afghanistan to prove that the whole world is good and they were killed by ISIS see doesn't work If you think what I'm saying is to run into your enemy's campground and surrender, you're missing what's going on here. This is not saying to just let yourself be killed. Here, I volunteer, kill me. What this is saying is love your enemy. N nowhere 
thank you serve me i have another beat me again oh turn the other cheek of course turn the other cheek we're not talking about that you're being destroyed and killed protect yourself that's not the question the question is what's your heart towards your attacker that scene of the jewish man who was being beaten by nazis and they were going to beat him until he hated them and he said you can take my life but you can't make me hate you that's overcoming evil with good yes you can beat me yes you can take my life but you can't make me hate you now most of us are never in that situation of life or death right most of us are on Facebook having a discussion or at a coffee shop or at work or somewhere else at a family dinner and we're having a conversation where there's a disagreement about what the truth is what about that situation love your enemy pray for them meet their needs overcome evil with good they may not agree with your argument but they will know that they've been loved and the power of love and the power of good is what changes hearts it is the kindness of God that leads men to repentance so we see this on the ground and I ask you is it a six or a nine and there's no way I mean you can have an opinion about that picture of the men looking at this number on the ground but the only way you're going to know what it really is is to know the creator and ask him seek the truth it matters is it a six or a nine it matters it matters not so that you can win not so that you can be right because the truth of a six or a nine has impact it has consequences there's a difference between those two numbers seek the truth and the Holy Spirit gives it it is the Holy Spirit that reveals truth to us be humble so the Holy Spirit revealed truth to you be humble because you know something true speak the truth in love right here's what happens to me and maybe to you someone's irritating me and I smile and they keep irritating me and I now force smile and on the inside it's starting to well up right and then they keep irritating me and now my knuckles are white and that thing back behind my neck starts pinching together and now the smile is more like a grimace now right and then they keep irritating me and then I vomit the truth on them not in love because I'm angry most of us try to get along right we try to live at peace with all men so we just swallow things and swallow things until we went too long and now we blow up because of our anger we got to take these thoughts captive way upstream someone says something you disagree with and you respond and they respond back in a way that makes you start to have contempt for them that's the thought to take captive love them then 
Don't let it continue to escalate. Take the thought captive early on. Well, I'm, I, see, I see your point and I see you don't agree with me and that's, that's okay. Can I get you another iced tea? Right? And stay and continue to love them. They want to keep the discussion going. If people, you know, iron sharpens iron, that's a good thing. Arguing with the drippy faucet's not a good thing. Be wise. Be humble. Why are you wanting to tell them something? To prove what you know? Yes. Or to love them. To love them is 100% truth with 100% grace. Like Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. So our, our words either give life or death. Our words are either cursing or blessing. There's no middle ground. So we seek the truth because it matters, because life depends on it, because it is the truth that set us free. And the Holy Spirit is the source of that truth. Through wisdom and revelation, the Holy Spirit teaches us things about the kingdom. And that wisdom and revelation is a gift from God. Be humble about it. And love one another. Over all these things, put on love. You need the truth. I need the truth. Walking around looking for evidence on the ground of whether it's a six or a nine is not a good source of truth. God is a good source of truth. The revealer of truth. Seek him.